Okay, thank you, Ron. All right, all of you aware that we have concluded the actual structure of the tabernacle, and uh, but that does not conclude the whole study of it. We're going to the priesthood, and of course, I've got him up here today. Uh, I don't know how many lessons we will spend on it. Just have to go along as as far as we can, not get uh, too detailed, but not get uh, run through it too quick either. Uh, there's seven different garments on there. We'll look. To, we'll get to those. I'm getting ahead of myself. But let's open to Exodus chapter 28. We'll read verses one through four. And then we're going to try to lay a foundation. I have got another outline. I did not get it run off today. Beverly's been sick. I didn't get it over to her last week. But I've got one that I'm not going to teach. I'll have it next week, but just put it in your files for uh, maybe future to it's just facts and figures, I guess, more than anything. But let's look. We're looking at the garments more than anything of the priesthood, of the priests. Of course, we're talking about Aaron. Exodus 28, beginning in verse 1. God's talking to Moses, and he tells Moses what he wants him to do. He says, And take unto thee Aaron, thy brother, and his sons with him, from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. Even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron thy brother, for glory and for beauty. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister to me in the priest's office. Then in verse 4, he lists these garments. He lists six of them here. And these are the garments which they shall make. A breastplate, an apod, a robe, and a embroidered coat, a mitre, a girdle, and they shall make holy garments for Aaron thy brother and his sons, that he may minister to me in the priest's office. Now there's one other garment that we'll look at a little bit later, and that's the linen breeches that they wore underneath of the coat that they put on, but we'll get to that later in the lesson. If not, we'll get to it next week. Uh, but that's covered in another section. But I broke it down this morning. All of us are familiar with the word priest and priesthood. Uh, we generally think of a priest, we go back to Aaron. He was the first individual priest, and he was the first one that was the high priest that could enter into the Holy of Holies where God said, I will meet with you there. You and I are all familiar, and we've been reminded again and again, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, God talks about what? Come on. Well, let's turn over here real quick. We'll be back to this, but let me just read that real quickly. First Peter chapter 2 and verse number 9. It's talking about you and I in the New Testament as people that are believers or people that have received Jesus Christ as their Savior. And God, through the, through the pen of Peter, he said, But ye, he's talking to every born-again believer, 
four things he listed. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. There's our word. A holy nation and a peculiar people that ye should show forth the praises of him who had called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I wanted to start this morning by laying a foundation. Of course, we're, we're, going, we're applying this to you and I today. Everything else is past history back from years ago. But you recall the verse that we've said several times. God said, these things are written for our learning. They're pictures. What, everything we got out of the tabernacle was a picture of the local church and you and I as believers in the local church today. All of that applies, and it was a picture that God foretold how a local church and Christian ought to live, how we ought to serve God according to the pattern. But about the priesthood, uh, you're probably aware of this. I'm not sure. But you know, God in the beginning... He did not start out with the desire, that was not his first plan, was for Aaron to be the priest. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 19. This is a picture again of you and I in the New Testament. Exodus chapter 19. God's desire was for the entire nation of Israel as a chosen people. In Exodus chapter 19 and verse 5, he said, Now therefore... He's talking to Israel. If ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be, watch now, a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Uh, we could read on and just more description of that, but God's ideal plan, God's first plan was for the entire nation of Israel to be a royal priesthood, and he had a purpose in that, and we read him in that purpose over when we got to, to, to first Peter uh, chapter 2 and verse 9. He said, you're a royal priesthood. That pictured us. Listen, this is important to us. That back over in Exodus 19 is a picture of what the priesthood should be today. We are a chosen generation. Now, God put a new name on us. Back then, he was a chosen people, a particular treasure. That was the nation of Israel. What are you and I today? We're the bride of Christ. And he said, you are a holy nation. You are a peculiar people. You are a royal priesthood. And God gave us pictures back here in the priest of what he has expectation. But, you know, I thought about this. When he chose Israel out, he wanted them to show forth his glory. That was his purpose. That is spelt out throughout the tabernacle. He wanted to, those people to show to the world the glory of God. That's what he said over in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. He said, we're royal priesthood. We're all this to what? To show forth the praises of his glory. You know, I thought this morning, just in reviewing in my mind, uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, somebody quoted. Whether you eat or whether you drink or whatsoever you do, you do what? All to show forth, and I'm paraphrasing, show forth the glory of God. Let me sum this up. You and I are supposed to live like a royal priesthood, 
a chosen generation, a bride of Christ, that the whole world may look at us and they can see the glory of God living in us through our lives. See? That's an awesome responsibility. That's an awesome responsibility. And let me put it, let me put it under, come at it from another way that I like it. I believe when God separated out Israel as a chosen treasure to him, a peculiar people, a holy priesthood, he wanted a group of people he could be proud of. He was their father, just like you and I today. We're children of God. God's our father. I think everybody in here, most everybody in here is a father. I want to be proud of my kids. Y'all want to be proud of your kids? I believe God wants to be proud of us. Uh, I've had people contest that, but I don't really care. Look over in Job chapter 1. I think there's a good picture of this. Job chapter 1, y'all are all familiar with this. Look in Job chapter 1, verse 6. Job chapter 1 and verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And if you study that, the context was, he said, I'm looking for somebody that uh, I can stir up some trouble with, somebody that's really not real that I can get in their life and mess things up. And look at what God answered to him in verse 8. And the Lord said unto Satan, Has thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and is cheweth evil? You know what I see in that? God says, I'm proud of him. I believe God wants to be proud of you. I believe God wants to be proud of me. And I believe, it, I believe it's vitally important. Now, God wanted to have Israel as a chosen generation, a royal priesthood to represent him, to show forth the glory of God. They didn't get there. Now, they didn't get there because the promise of God for them to be a holy nation was conditional. Go back. I want you to see this. Go back to Exodus chapter 19. Go back to Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. Again, now therefore, if ye will obey my voice and keep my covenants, then ye shall be a peculiar people. You see, that, that desire and that promise of God was conditional. It was under the law. And all of you know, before the tabernacle got built and they started worshiping, when Moses came down on the mountain, they'd already made a gold calf. They'd violated all the laws of God, the desires of God. They'd broke God's heart over their disobedience, their lack of respect, their lack of everything. Now you say, can God's heart be broken? I think it can. He can be angry. He can be several things. He said, I'm angry with the wicked all day. But what God was not able to accomplish with Israel under the law with the condition on it, God accomplished for you and I under the age of grace and it's all done for us, and you and I declared righteous, and the law has already been fulfilled. You know, I thought about that this week, Woody, when I've been looking at that, and I thought, dear God, that ought to cause us to be diligent, that we show forth the praise and the honor of God, and not embarrassing. How many times has God been embarrassed in churches today? How many times has God been embarrassed with Christians today? 
sad to say, and I'm not going to get off on it because I'll get in the flesh and get mad, but we got a bunch of churches around this nation. They call them the emerging church. They're not the emerging church. They're the sinking church. And they act like they're at a high school pep rally. And it's a disgrace to God. But again, what, what, what God could not, what Israel failed to do, God accomplished for you and I. And he said, you're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a peculiar people. And God wants to... Which one of us? I'm trying to make an impression on you. Which one of us doesn't want to be proud of the bride of his son? I want you to know God wants us to be proud of you and I as the bride of Christ. And he wants us to bear a testimony for him that will astound the world. They ought to look at us and say, there's something different about them. Amen. Come on, y'all could help me a little bit. <laughs> but I won't, I'm trying to impress upon you to, from God's viewpoint how important this thing is of being a royal priesthood. How many of you think of yourself as a royal priest? That's the problem. We don't think of ourselves as a royal priest. I know, Thelma, you've read the book. you got all the right answers, so I don't. But uh, y'all y'all with me? I don't think of myself in my daily life. I just, that, it's, I, I quote the scripture chapter and verse, but sometimes it's just, brother, God said you're a royal priesthood. You ought to write down those four things. You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy, holy nation. You're a peculiar people. If we would get that locked in our heart, it will affect how we live. It will affect how we think. It'll affect how we talk. It'll affect everything. Anyway, I'm taking too much time, but that's all right. That's the importance of the priesthood. I hope, does everybody understand that? Look at it now from the standpoint that I want you to look at. Look at it from God's standpoint. God says, I want you to live your life to where I'll be proud of you. I want, to live your, I want you to live your life where the whole world will look at you and they can see my glory shining through you. What did Second Corinthians one two first Peter one first Peter two nineteen say? First Peter two nine. He said that you show forth. He said you're these four things that you show forth the glory of God. God help us to. All right, let's look at the importance of the garments. We'll try to get as much of this covered as we can. You know, again, how many of us? are guilty of casually reading the scriptures and sometimes we really don't put the importance on some things that we should. We just read over them. I've done that. Do that still today. But I want us to look. I think uh, it's worthy of making the garments that God told Moses. He said, Moses, he said, I want you to make these garments. I want you to make them as holy garments. I want you to make them in a certain way. I did. I never had thought about this until I started studying just how important the garments are from God's standpoint, because of all they picture, because of all they signify. You know, we've studied the tabernacle for how many weeks? Quite a few. We studied seven pieces of furniture in the tabernacle. I went back 
in, the, in chapter 25 through about 32 where God described to Moses every individual piece, how it should be made. You total all, all that up for those seven pieces, God used 43 verses to describe those. Y'all with me? Exodus chapter 28 is dedicated to nothing but the garments and it's a total of 43 verses. Now I'm not sure I'm not sure that's inspired <laughs> because back when it was written there wasn't any such thing as chapters and verses. Chapters didn't come along to about the 13th century and verses came along about the 16th century but nevertheless it's interesting. Basically God used the same amount of time just to deal with the way we dress, the way that a priest is to dress as he dealt with all the pieces of furniture in the entire tabernacle. Maybe you don't feel that way, but to me it seems like that's important that God spent that much emphasis on it. Not only is it important because of the detail that he went into, but even when he made those, and we'll look at this in again, a minute, again in just a minute, but in verse 3 he said, Thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to concentrate him. God said, Moses, you handpicked the very, very best of the people that know how to make garments. And that's who I, those that are wide-hearted and those that are filled with my spirit. And that's the men that I want. That's the women that I want to make the garments that you're going to put on the priest. And he said up in, up in verse number two, he said, uh, they shall be made for glory and for beauty. You know, we would say today when we were looking for somebody to do something in a particular field, we want to get the best in the business. God said, I want the best in the business to make these garments. To me, that indicates there. All right, let's go on and look. Uh, back in Exodus chapter 28, verse number 3, he said, Thou shalt make holy garments. I believe they're important because of what they picture. That is a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, when he said they, they picture Christ, the word for holy is Kadesh. It starts with a Q, not a K. Q-O-D-E-S-H. It's translated throughout the Bible in three ways and three ways only. It's translated as holy. It's translated as consecrate. It's translated as sanctity or sanctified. So God said, I want you to make garments for my priest to wear that will picture them as being holy, being consecrated unto me, set apart to me, and picture them as being sanctified for my service. He said, I want everybody that sees them to know that they're dressed in a holy, consecrated, sanctified manner. Not only did, not only were they holy garments in verse number, verse number uh, two, again, it said, uh, garments by thy brother Aaron, they should be for glory and, and, and for, for beauty. Uh, they are to show forth. Again, I can't emphasize that. You know, Israel again ruined it. They blew it. The good word. They just blew it. They didn't show forth the glory of God. That was under the law. But again, you and I are under grace and God still wants. Look over in John chapter 1.
John chapter 1, verse 14, you're all familiar with this. Uh, you know, in, well, go back to verse 11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. That's referring back to Israel. That's referring back to Israel. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believed on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of God, man, but God. That's referring to you and I. Verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we, what? Beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 3, was talking about our Lord Jesus Christ back in verse number 2, had in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he had appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, watch, who being the brightness of his glory, the expressed image of his person, the upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. When our Lord Jesus came, he was the brightness, he, he pictured the brightness and the glory of God. He was the expressed image of God. He showed us a picture. He said later on, he said, he that has seen me have seen the Father. Are y'all with me? Brother, when the world looks at you and I as God's children, we ought to be able to say, when they've seen me, they'll know what Jesus Christ is like. When they've seen you as a Christian, they're going to grade what Jesus Christ is really like by the way you and I act, live, walk, talk, dress, and everything. So the garments, in my opinion, are vitally, vitally important. Uh, let me let me touch one more thing before we move on in, in the way of importance. Uh, turn back to Exodus. We're in chapter 28. Again, I said that God used the whole chapter to describe that. You, we're not going to read all that. But turn over to verse 43, and God concluded. <clears throat> you talk about important? <laughs> Exodus 28:43 And they shall be upon Aaron and upon his sons when they come into the tabernacle of the congregation or when they come near unto the altar to minister in the holy place that they bear not iniquity and die God said, when Aaron and his sons come into the holy place, that's where God said, I'll meet, you, meet with you there. He said, you better come dressed right. You better come dressed respectfully. You better come dressed for the glory of God. You better come dressed like you're coming into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the creation of the world. Thank God we're not under law. We'd have a lot of people getting killed today. Let me ask you a question. Does that make it important? Do y'all do y'all do y'all see that? You know, we it, it's sad. We've got an emerging church coming out today, and they say, "Well, no, you don't have to. You can just come jerk any way you want to. Old pullover t-shirt, ragged blue jeans. It don't make no difference." I'd be careful of that. I'd be careful of that. 
You're going into the presence of the creator of the whole universe. You're going into the presence of the king of kings. And you know, God said, I'll meet with you there. When you and I, we, we meet together on the first day of the week. We come to God's house. This is God's house we meet up in. God meets with us in a special way on the first day of the week. Read your whole New Testament. Am I right in thinking we ought to come respectful? I think we ought to be different. I think we ought to be different. Now, if, if the best you've got is an old T-shirt and a pair of ragged blue jeans, that's all right. But God helped the Christian that... I better not get off on that. <laughs> Are y'all with me? You know, I thought about every one of you in here last night when I was I went by went down the list. Eh? And you know, I've written y'all a couple of times and said I am encouraged by this class. I thank God for this class. I thank God for your attitudes. I thank God for everything about you. See, and I could not think of one person in this class that does not dress properly when they come into. God's house on Sunday morning. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Now again, it's not about how much it costs or how much anything. It's talking about we ought to come respectful. And again, if you got a t-shirt and a pair of blue jeans that's got holes in it, I don't care. If that's the best you got, that's all right. God will accept that. But we ought to show him that we respect him. Uh, we don't have but just a few minutes. Uh, we're fixing to get into the coat. Let's, I tell you what, let's don't get into that because it all ties together. But they, you, you've got seven different items, and I can't even, some of them are, are underneath, you can't see, but of course we're looking at the one that, we're going to start with the coat. Let me list them. You've got a breastplate, that's this piece up here with the 12 tribes on it. You've got an epod that goes underneath of that, it's chained to him. You've got a robe, you've got a coat, you've got a, uh, the, uh, a mitre that goes on his head, you've got a girdle that goes inside that particular's work and underneath they've got the linen breeches that's down in if you're still in if you're still in uh, Exodus chapter 28 you can look back one verse in 43 it says and thou shalt make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness from the loins even to the thighs they shall reach I won't take time to go into that but if you go back and look in the context of it and study the Greek understanding and what the culture was in that those linen breeches covered from the top of their loins to the bottom of their thigh and there's about three or four other verses in the scripture listen to me now I don't think anybody in here is guilty of it but God said when you show your thighs you might as well be naked God considers that naked. Go to Isaiah chapter 46 where the woman was pulling at the mill and said she wrapped it up around her waist there and let her nakedness be showing because she was working at a mill. God helped the people today that dress in a obscene, immodest manner. But even God went to the extreme under all of that. He said, I want him to put on a pair of linen breeches to make sure that his nakedness is not seen. But next week, we're going to start with the, and not the list that we've got, but we'll start with this white coat that's underneath the here. And you say, well, Brother Ernest, why are we going to start with that? Because that's the first garment that they put on. And we'll look at the scriptures. That, 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 pictures the purity of Christ that pictures everything about our Lord Jesus Christ the basis the fundamental of the way that uh, 
we address. But next week we'll look at the material of the coat, the, the pictures of Christ in it, the, what it teaches us. Very interesting subject when we get into it and go into the background all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 where God made them coats. Uh, after they sinned and all of it you'll see all of it come together what we've talked about this morning I said when we started we just kind of got a foundation laid this morning as to where we are and what God expected of that priest and what he expects of you and I so is that all right we get out five minutes early all right all right we'll be back next week and uh like I say, I'll bring that foundational outline of just the history of the priesthood, and you can put that in for your records and everything.